All right. We are here. So the lawyer's Hello. not so wondrous imaginings. <laughs> and the Spike Pit is here with my uh, my second sidebar interview series. You like that sidebar, huh? I do. That's uh, an excellent title, Joe. Yeah. Do they have that, that term out there in England, too? Um. I, I don't know. I'm not really up on the uh, all the legal stuff. Obviously, I think in in courts over here they just get called up to the up to the bench or up to the the judge just kind of brings them up to the thing and whispers in their ear or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, that's we do that, and that's what they call here a sidebar. But I'm not sure if they call it the same thing out there. Now, do you judges still wear wigs and shit? I was making a joke about that with the other podcast, but I wasn't sure that they still do all that. Um, well, if I'm honest, I've never been in a court, mate, so I couldn't, I couldn't totally tell you, uh, but I know in the, cause you've got different courts. We've got a crown court, which is like the highest court mm -hmm. and, and I know they do, they wear all that gear there, but then there's like magistrates courts, which is like the opposite end. I think that's like the lowest one. Okay, like car accidents, uh, like like speeding tickets or something. Yeah, yeah, and like, and there's a small claims court as well. And I, yeah, man, I, I, I'm not up on all that stuff. I try and steer clear of it. <laughs> so, so you're saying now, on the record, you ever been arrested once for anything? Never had any gun even for a ticket. No, uh, oh, I've I've been done speeding. Yeah, <laughs> that had to be something but, I figured. <laughs> yeah, but not even not even fast, mate. You know, like we got. A 30 mile per hour limit and i've probably got a ticket for like you know 33 miles per hour because i'm just driving about in a van it's not like i'm caning it in a in a lamborghini or anything down the motorway it's just you know they just put these cameras and you're you're listening you're not paying attention and you creep a little bit maybe going downhill <laughs> with a yeah, wind yeah. behind me and yeah. um you get a little bit quicker but I'm I'm a pretty careful driver, really. So I, yeah. So they busted your balls for doing three miles an hour or three kilometers an hour or whatever over the speed limit there. Oh yeah, yeah. If you get yeah, yeah. Son of a bitch. They usually give you five here. You know, you're pretty safe if you're doing it. If it's fifty-five, you're doing sixty. You're kind of safe. Once you get beyond five, then you start really busting chops out here. I think, at least in where I live, the oh, state, right. Connecticut, where I live, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we were just talking before as we were getting into this about the, uh, the the comics and all that. And you were saying you weren't a comic book guy either. Yeah, not really. Not. Um, I kind of like them. Do you know what I mean? But I think for me, there's only so many hours in a day. And, uh, um, you know, when you've got a family and you've got other interests and you're, you're in your, into your RPGs, uh, I just, I don't, I actually don't watch the telly, really. I don't watch TV really? much. Oh, good. Not yeah. even movies or rentals or anything like that? Netflix or? The only, the only thing I I watch is I try and make a little bit of time to catch a few films, yeah. So, um, for example, this evening. So, like, weekends, we'll try and just sit down as a family and catch a film together. And uh, I'll try and catch a film with my wife now and then. That's cool. Um, you guys do a lot yeah, together. I mean, you're playing D&D &D together and everything. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. Uh, like today, for example, um, this morning, 
Oh, it's a bit of a funny story. Well, it's not that funny, but it's mildly amusing. Yeah. Like, there's three generations of miniature painters in my family, right? Uh, oh. when, I, when I was young, I got into the games workshop thing, started painting up armies, and, and then I've, I've, I've taught the kids one at a time. But it, it, it all started because my dad wanted to learn, and a few years back, I, I got him into painting. So, really? um, now, did you yeah, get him yeah, painting, was he did you get him into painting miniatures be way back when you first started doing it or after you took a hiatus from it? It was probably during during the time that I was raising my family, kind of thing, and I was just kind of playing board games and doing a bit of war gaming. Gotcha, our fed. He was buying a lot of games, and he can paint, but he don't really enjoy it. But he just paints basic, you know, a kind of utility paint job, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he sort of said to my dad, you know, I'll get you some paint. He, he kind of fixed him up with some uh, all the materials and everything, and they kind of, he bought the figures. And my dad, just as a bit of a thing, as he's winding winding down his work and his job and looking to retire he just did more and more painting and um they were looking to me to provide a little bit of instruction which i which i did and um that's pretty cool it's kinda, yeah it's kind of come around and obviously the youngsters they saw their granddad painting all the time and you know, he, he said, Oh well it's your dad's a painter, you need to talk to him and we just as a family have kind of got that that painting thing going on as as well as board gaming, you know. Uh yeah. I remember you talking about being uh going to school for art and painting and you regretted you never stayed with painting because you liked you liked the whole fine arts thing. You like painting uh portrait pictures and portraits, things like that. Is that yeah, something I, you still do a little bit anymore or no? I, I don't do anything like I would like to do. Um I because re- I really like colour and yeah. light um for example the other night it was a, a sort of a full moon and i remember i just looked out of the window into the garden and i thought do you know what i can totally t- i can totally understand how myths and legends around the moon and stuff began because when you see that light of the moon it is unearthly really it's really a weird reflected light and it's nothing like sunlight. It's just a t- it's a pretty magical thing on a on a on a night where you've got that real nice moonlight. It's it is magical, I think. And I agree, I agree, especially with a little bit of fog or some kind of mist reflecting yeah. it and all that. It, it's it's like you're in a different realm. It really is. It's yeah, cool, man. Yeah, and all the shadows are weird because the yep. light seems to come from yep. funny angles. It's just um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just the sort of like the. Uh, I don't know. It's the imagination gets gets fired up when I see stuff like that. But and especially but, back in the old days with shaman and all that, they would take themselves into a, an altered state of consciousness, whether through um, food or fasting or uh, dance uh, until they exhaust themselves, or some sort of uh, smoking or drinking something. You know what I mean? That that would yeah, affect yeah. their mind, and then they have this experience of seeing a full moon like that with a. And it's no wonder they would say they saw things maybe who the hell knows oh. maybe they did see things you know in that state of oh, mind yeah. who knows that's, that's cool as shit though 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and that's those guys that were paint um, shaman back in the day. I guess some of them guys in a more modern setting would be your your Picassos and your and your Miro and your your painters because painters have done all that as well. The the drink, the drugs, the starvation, the whatever for their for their inspiration. Yeah. Like you say yes. You could probably draw that line straight back to shaman. Yeah, and I think it goes back to religion entirely as well because if you look at for a while, I was interested in, um, in ceremonial magic. It's uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know witchcraft. It's a whole different thing than witchcraft. It's they call it high magic or low magic, but it's not a way of to put the other down. It's 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 just I think there's more um, more ritual and more theory involved, more uh, more mm-hmm. book reading, more intellectual involved. sort of. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it goes into symbolism and archetypes and all this other thing. And it gets into the ritual and how the ritual and the archetypes and symbols all tie in together. And I, and I was the more I thought about it, the more I realized that all the all the church. Uh, I mean, me growing up Catholic, but I think most church ceremonies that are Christian at least have their roots in pagan high magic rituals. You know, and, and because mm-hmm. if you if you bring art and you bring poetry and you bring um, the tale telling that the old shaman and, and the, you know, those guys used to do into it and you bring mm-hmm. singing into it and you bring dancing into it that, and you bring all the symbols, all, all the, not just, not just pictures, but symbols and symbolism, bring it all into one big place and mix it all together. And you have a religious ceremony and, and look at whatever church you go to, you have singing, you have chanting, you have uh, symbolisms on the wall, you have, um, different beliefs that are being told. There's some sort of uh, uh, you, you're eating the Eucharist, right? If you're Catholic or mm-hmm. whatever. And what is that? It's, that is basically uh, bringing the power down through you from the God above into something that you then share. You know, it's making mm-hmm. a talisman of sorts that you that you eat. And and, yep. and I'm thinking to myself when I'm reading all this, it's like holy shit, this is really the the root of all art is. I think religious beliefs and trying to understand and make sense of the world. You got poetry, you got writing, you got tale telling, you got art, you got um, all the different kinds of arts from right uh, from uh, um, painting to creating little sculptures and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think now that they've dispersed, uh, they, they lose some of their effect now that they are not together in one place, but if they're ever brought back different kinds of arts, different art forms at the one line for one purpose you have a powerful thing that really really reaches into the subconscious mind then the archetypes come out and you know and young's you know archetypes and all that that sort of thing that's a long ramble shit (laughs) no 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 that's interesting so do you do you see the arts as um bust up then bust apart and spread spread about because uh yeah yeah i do do do. okay right I do. I think Even, that it all, its origins, I think, all came from trying to make sense of the world and symbols and rituals and, and understanding the universe around you. And I think, I think that's where most art, even look at cave art. I mean, the most, the oldest forms of art are all religious in some sense. You know what I mean? And I think that, that once it got scattered about um, and disconnected from a root, now I'm not preaching religion here, believe me, I'm the biggest don't you know not even at all but i'm just looking at the root of it you know historically speaking sociologically speaking it's just i think it's a it's a it's a a separation that really 
if they ever got them all back together again, you have some real powerful meaning that would help people's lives, not even in a religious sense, but in a sense that you could help people get deeper into their own psyche and understand themselves and where they're coming from, what they want to do, what they want to be. That makes yeah, sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. I think probably it, when, when you, when you say religion, religion and religious, it, in my mind, I think I'm probably substituting uh, spirit, spirit or spirituality in there. Uh, that, that probably perhaps maybe catches more of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I agree because uh, I, I, I'm, what I'm doing is reaching back before those organized religions, in a sense. You know what I mean? But I yeah, say religion, yeah, yeah. where most people use. But yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, just just having people trying to make sense of the world and the universe around them, and they do it through these these forms. And I think that the dispersal of the forms of the various, you know, separate avenues of discovery and everything, and separate avenues of creation, they lose something well, if they're not brought together. Yeah, I, I think. I think this is part of the role of art and that because I've always, I've always wondered, you know, wh why do we, why do we do all that stuff? Why, why is there poetry and dancing and music and all this creativity? Uh, and it's got to be something to do with the spirit, and, and it's a deep human need that. Um, People are always craving. They're always craving that stuff. And if I you're agree. a good art, yeah, if you're good at an art, if you're good at art and you, and you're a creative person, people do flock around. They 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 they're drawn to those things. And I think we've all got a bit of a deep spiritual need that we either don't understand or that we deny. And myself, I've probably been, I've personally been put off by organized religion and it's only as i've got a bit older i've thought to myself you know i can i can invent my my own spirituality and what i think is important to me i don't need i don't need to be told and told to do things deep down in in my heart of hearts i i, I know my needs really yeah. if yeah. you you look to yourself if you look uh, uh, deep enough, you'll you'll find. I think you'll find the answers kind of within. Yeah, yeah, I uh, agree. It's meditation, and rather than prayer, in a sense, you know what I mean. It's looking within rather than asking for help. And uh, it's I, I, I'm the same way, man. I, I eclectically put together bits and pieces of all these different systems. And if you ask me what are, what are your you know beliefs, I could summarize them really briefly for you. But it comes from a wealth of of other things that I've read, read or researched or trying mm. to figure out or just just came to an understanding of through contemplation and meditation or something you know what i mean so it's it's interesting in that regard because i put together my own little religious symbols and a little tiny little shrine i meditate in front of you know and they're all yeah, yeah. You know, disparate things but they all mean something to me which i think you know the man's quest for meaning and my man humans quest yeah. for meaning is yeah, what drives I, us you know and uh, and when i say i think the, the answers within i don't mean like the answers to the bigger questions it either i think it's just the the start of it is within you, you oh yeah i mean you you, you kind of got to find your own inspiration but then you've got to open your mind and look outwards then to other, other people and and for me i get a lot of inspiration just from nature and stuff like that it just blows my mind some of these things 
Yep, yep. Uh, and that's what that's what sort of put me off on this tangent is that when you look at the moon like that or you look at nature yeah or, or a perfect day or the ocean waves coming in and you just have those i don't know like a zen moment or whatever you know it yeah, all feels yeah. right you know and it's, it's like shit man and then and then when you want to you want to capture that forever you want to share that feeling and the best way you could do it is whatever you're inclined to do is if maybe you could write a poem maybe you could paint the picture maybe you could tell a story about something that you know makes it real you know, and uh, I think or, that's... Or, yeah, or, or sit down and play a role-playing game like like a lot of, uh, you know, the people we're hanging about with. That's our, exp- you know, one way that we express ourselves. Oh, yeah, I don't totally. know about you. Totally. You know, I, mean, I don't know it, about you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that, anything that anything that gets the imagination going, anything that, that gets you out of this fucking mundane world... You know what I mean? Where we get up, we go to mm-hmm. work, we come home, we eat dinner, we watch TV, we go to bed and lather, rinse, repeat. Anything that gets yep. us out of that cycle and gets our minds going on some different level or some some other plane of existence. You know what I mean? To put it in D D terms. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that yeah. I think that's the greatest thing in the world. That really is. It's it's that process of just opening your mind a little bit more to something different. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Imagination is the key to anything. If you can't imagine something first you can never uh achieve it because i think you need you think you don't just stumble into great things you have to first see it in your mind you gotta have the capacity first and foremost to imagine on your own something that doesn't exist whether whether it's putting together a couple different things that have ever been put together before or whether it's just creating something brand fucking new you got to be able to imagine it and then you have then only then can you pursue it and make it a reality you know, and I think that's where D&D really, really helps as it, it strikes our imaginations in a very real way with a group of other people. Yeah, and I think part of it is about a process of relaxing. We're, we're, you were talking about, the, you know, basically talking about the daily grind. I see so many people, they're, they're uptight and they're, you know, they're, oh, they're real trying, they're, they're battling. And we all know where where the best inspiration and the best ideas come from. You're you're in the you're in the toilet, or you're you're in the shower, and or you're just drifting off to sleep. It's it's when you're just relaxing and and playing an RPG. That's another time, perhaps, when you're sat around with friends and and you're relaxing. And that's that's when you're opening up your mind to these ideas. And then that's where that's when it you know it really counts, and that inspiration is able to get through. Ultimately, that, yeah, know, I agree. I mean, it's like we're we're all co-creators of the universe we live in, and when you're doing an RPG, you're all co-creators of a whole different universe. You know. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and if if you approach that in a screwed up, tight sort of way, it's not going to happen. That's I think that's what we're trying to do when we we talk about trying to get a, a good game and that. It it's a relax. It's like a certain a kind of relaxed game. You don't want to have to be worrying about nitty gritty and, and, and getting, you know, the, the, the anxiety problem comes up when we talk about prep. That's a common theme. And, yeah. and that is, that's, that's the kind of bane of creating stuff that, that kind of, oh, it just don't flow. Do you know what I mean? It choke, it chokes you up and you can't, you know, you can't, can't get it done whilst you're uptight about stuff 
it's hard. Oh, it's hard. Yeah. You know. I agree. I totally agree. As I'm, I'm trying to, you know, do this Blood Island thing, and I'm getting together, and I cursing myself on one hand because I said I was going to do it, and I'm doing working towards it, but in my own mind, I set a time frame where I want to have it done. And it's fucking me up because then I feel guilty because I'm not getting it done. And then the other day, I'm like, you know, fuck this shit. I'm just going to do it when I do it, when I feel like it, when it flows, when it feels right. And when it does yep. feel right, sometimes I'll sit there and write stuff for 12 hours straight. And when it doesn't feel right, I'd rather just do anything else, right? And so yep. it's not. I, it takes away from the fun of it as I create. If I am being feel like I'm being forced to create on a time schedule, whether my own or somebody else's, you know? It, it's really hard because you listen to a lot of creators and, and I've, I've been there. You have to sort of drag yourself and, and you know, you hear about these writers, they, they sit down and they force themselves to write. And, and I think you, you do have to do that. But at the same time, I've, some of my best stuff is done. Just it's like the stars align and, it just happens and you wake up one day and it's the right day to do a certain thing. Yep, but yep, the, yep. the problem with that is that could be totally inappropriate. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. It, that's we the have dilemma. To work for a living. That's the problem. You got to work for a living. If the inspiration comes right in the middle of our other job or right in the middle yeah. of whatever the kids basketball game or something like that, where we have to pull ourselves away to do it. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. The best you can do is jot down another hope that you remember it later and get, in, get into that same mode or mindset that you had when it hit you. But usually, yeah. like you say, you're in the toilet, you're in the bathroom, you're taking a shower, taking a shit, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, ah, oh, God damn. So that is the best time to have something hit you, though. You know? Yeah, because I think your mind, your mind is constantly working in your subconscious at these projects. I think once they're, once they've occurred to you, I don't think they go away. It's like your conscious mind is not working on them. But in the back of your head there, it's like when you, you know, when you try and remember somebody's name and the more you think about it, you, you just can't, you get a mental block. But then, mm -hmm. yep, yep. then, then anything from, you know, 15 minutes to 15 days later, you're sitting there and you just go, Oh, John Brown. Just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's like your brain my understanding of it is your brain's constantly, it's got like a, a filing clock going through all the files. And then when it's found it, it brings it, brings it up to you in your office sort of thing. Oh, there you go. Plonks it on your desk and that's your conscious mind. And it just kind of, well, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know it isn't. It's, it's something else because you, you, you work on something, you work on something, then you don't know you're working on it. And then the answer comes. That's yeah. when the best answers come is when you forgot about it and you forgot that you were actually working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So that being said, dude, why don't you go back to painting, man? If, if it was a passion of yours and it sounds like it still is creation and art, how about doing it again? I'm sure you could, you're, you're good at it and you can make, especially if you like outdoors and nature and scenery, you could do a lot of stuff for the RPG. That could be a little way to make some side cash and get your name out there and who knows what could happen. Yeah, I mean... There's, there's quite a few things like that I'd, I'd like to get back to. I, I just really enjoyed the painting. I'm never saying I was particularly good, but I mean, you know, I was a well, art I mean, student, you, art yeah, student, went, good enough. Yeah, you know, I was best in yeah. the school, whatever. And but I, and I'm not David Hockney or Picasso or anything. But 
Dude, you don't you have know, to be, man. So I was. Yeah, I mean, as long as I was talking to somebody once, and I, he shall remain nameless because his name is a, a source of great uh, uh, violent hatred these days. So you know who I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I said to the guy, I said, you went to, you came from this background, all right? You, you went to these great schools, two amazing schools for art, all right? And you got a certain level of talent. And you got a certain level of connections, all right? And because of the schools and because of, you know, whatever things you did in your past that gave you a lot of connections. So between mm -hmm. natural skill, training, connections given by your schools, connections given by the industry you're in and the other industry that you are in, and certain level of notoriety, I said, what, why? What would you attribute your success to? And he says, complete fucking luck, basically. It's luck. And, mm -hmm. and it's like that's all it comes down to and you know and so i i look at certain painters who are who have made it and i say your shit doesn't inspire me at all and i look at certain mm -hmm. painters who haven't made it and i'm like that's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen i want to buy it and hang it on my wall and look at it every day you know mm -hmm. and, and it's it's just like i say it's just pure luck so you got to throw your shit throw your hat in the ring see what happens you know yeah, because you just, never know you never know it's just a matter of doing it and i mean i've got no i've got no great uh need or or particular want to make it but what i have got is i yeah, i do i do want to get to doing especially some more drawing for starters i need to get back in the habit of doing some more drawing and funnily enough this whole podcasting business yeah ha has got me used to doing something creative on a regular basis I'm I'm doing you know two three maybe even four episodes a week, and, and there's a little there's a little rhythm there's a little rhythm and 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 you kind of and you, it's going out there as well. It's getting used to putting something out and yeah. So I think I can follow on with other stuff, you know maybe like a because you used to write a blog, didn't you? you used yeah, to yeah. That was the it was like the only thing I had left because I would. Uh, for a while, I was writing on EN World, and mm -hmm. uh, basically, I would start writing these long things, and people were like, dude, this isn't an EN World post. We only write short shit here. Your stuff's more like a blog post. So then I was like, well, fucking blog post. What the fuck is a blog post? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't. I, yep. So I started looking around at blog, and then, and then I started getting on the blogger, and the OSR was just taking off then, and uh, I jumped onto there, and I jumped onto the RPG the pundit site, the RPG pundit, his website, because it's like, you can say whatever you want there and not have to worry about getting censored, you know? Uh -huh. So I got into his yeah. site and I just started, the blog allowed me to say whatever I wanted to say. And you know what I mean? And I was able to do that. And I was a little more anger back in those days. If you read my earlier blog posts, I was always fighting against somebody or something. And then I just, mm -hmm. I realized I was angry. <laughs> I, once I started playing D and D more, I lost a lot of my anger. It was like an outlet mm -hmm. for me. You know what I yeah. mean? So it was a creative outlet. And I think a lot of the anger was more frustration. It was pent up and ready to burst out. And now I run so yep. many games. I run like three different games during the course of a month, a couple of times a month each, not counting what I maybe will jump into online or something. And it just, it allows me to, uh, to like let loose some frustration, blow off some steam, um, get some anxiety or creative angst out, you know? And so the yep. same thing with yep. the blog post did. And, and like you say, with anchor now, it is the same thing. I could, you could do anchor. I mean, like a fucking commercial, but yeah, it, you, you do it wherever. However, you know, you could pre-record. You could uh, set things up for later, and then you just put it out there. And you, you and you're you're expressing yourself 
in some creative way or just expressing yourself in general, I think it's helpful, you know. And so you're it's, still, yeah. it's fair to say that you you would say that the the podcast in it has improved your state of mind. I think so. Yeah, I think so because when I got when I'm worked up about something, I could just let loose a little bit, or when I just feel like expressing uh, an idea, I could I could get it out there, you know, or just. Or just like me and my brother do at Sunday nights. We're going to do one later tonight. It's just nice to just sit back with a beer and chill and just talk about it. Shoot the shit. You know, like we used to do when we were kids. You know, about well, D&D or anything. You know? Yeah. And I mean, they are. It, it's a phrase, isn't it? You know, it's good to talk. You know, that's a phrase. And yeah. I, I I agree entirely. I think, and I've said as much on, on, on Spike Bit. I've said it. That since I've been podcasting, I, I feel a lot better in myself, and I think some of it was, like you say, that frustration of not having that creative outlet. If you've been creative all your life and it's getting throttled down and sort of stifled, it's going to cause you a problem. So I think maybe more people should be should should be getting that creativity out there and, and not worrying about, you know, making a lot of money at it. I, I mean, you get art therapists, don't you? And you get dance therapy and music yeah. therapy and yep. all these things. It stands to reason. You theoretically could have podcast therapy, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, anything to get – really, like, look what, what Jason Hobbs does. His, his thing started as a way to just express his thoughts, like he's on a shrink's couch, right? And so it's exactly. a random screen. I think it works the same for me on some level. It helps with, yeah. you know, if I'm having a shit day or when like bitching about something or another, I could do it. I've, you know, done that with, in terms of some of the D and D games or groups that I've had, you know, get some frustration out, done that before. Yeah. And it felt good. I yeah. feel like part of me is like, Oh, I shouldn't be saying this. I feel like an asshole, blah, blah, blah. But it felt good to get it out there. And once I got it out, I was able to drop it and I'll hold on to it. So it didn't build and fester, you know? And I think the good thing is with the likes of the guys and girls on the OSR Anchorites, you know that you're not going to be judged harshly for a bit of venting. No, exactly. We're all been through it. We're all adults now. It's not like we're a bunch of 20-year-old idiots. You know what I mean? We're all adults. We've all been through life. We're all in our – well, it sounds like we're all in our 40s or greater, right? Well, the majority, <laughs> except it. Except in like my family and some of the uh, some of the youngsters, perhaps like Cody is a bit younger, but a, yeah, a lot yeah. of people a lot of people got into the hobby early eighties, didn't they? Really? Yeah, I mean, I mean, at least the ones who would do our podcasts, you know, I mean, the ones yeah. that are in our group are all kind of older people now, you know. So that's what I mean. It's like when I talk to my brother on Sunday nights. I remember where I asked him, uh, "I live in a town we kind of grew up most of our lives in, and there was this." A festival at a church out here we used to go to the italian festival and a lot of food and games and blah 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 you know and i say hey, you know you bring your kids down because he lives in a town about 40 minutes away and i said bring your kids down have fun you know like we used to do at the same festival and he goes you know what i remember most about that festival is walking around talking about D. &D. that's all <laughs> we would do we would walk around and talk about what's going to happen next you know and, and he said i was like shit yeah right that's that's true you know, so that's what I like about the Sunday night thing. We could sit, sit and bullshit like we used to do, you know, just argue alignment or whatever we wanted to argue or just yeah. talk about anything, you know. Same thing with your brother. Like, what was it like growing up with your brother with D&D, &D, man? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was just what we did. I... It's that. It sounds pretty similar to pretty much all the other stories you hear. You, you've got that companion who shares the same interest, and it's one less person to find in the group because you're both living in the same house. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, I'm the older. I'm the elder brother, so I, you know, I used to give him a bit of stick and that. Uh, but <laughs> if by that if giving him a bit of stick means busting his balls and torturing him then I'm the, I was the older brother I did the same thing <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much um, killing all of his characters because you're an asshole <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what we never we never used to have very many characters die um, I think I was always a bit of a soft DM really I um, I'd have took it a bit I'd have took it a bit to heart, people's characters dying, you know, I'd have felt sorry for them. I, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a fairly empathetic, empathetic guy, you know, yeah, I sort yeah. of, yep, I, 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 I struggle a little bit at times with my emotions because uh, uh, if I see somebody suffering, I'll kind of take it on board a little bit. It, even, you know, like some of the drama that we have in the OSR. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I quite often will sympathise with whoever's getting the pasting at the time because uh, it's like I tell you what I got my house I was burgled yeah and Recent, I lost recently? no it's a couple of years back and I, and I lost a few months worth of money because I work as a gardener so a lot of what yeah. I get is paid in cash yeah yeah and he, somebody come in must have just come walked in took took some money that I had stashed and um, just legged it. And I was only next door at my parents putting my stuff away in the garage. And I didn't even find out till a bit later. I sort of noticed a footprint. Yeah. And I thought, hold on a minute, I didn't leave this open and one thing and another because I hadn't wrecked the place. So initially I was sort of angry and everything. And then you get paranoid, so you go around trying to secure things and, and you do yeah. all that sort of yep, thing. Yep. And, the, and the wife's going, oh, we need a burglar alarm. And, and I thought, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And um, in the end, I started thinking, what would that be like to be that person who's got to go creeping around people's houses, taking their money? What if that person has got like a family and of an evening they got to sit down at the dinner table and their kids say, Oh, how did you get on today, Dad? What what do you what do they say to their their significant other? Or do, do, do they just sit around like a bunch of villains chatting about, oh, oh, oh look how much yeah. I robbed it? Or do they hide it from their family? I don't get it. I, I'd hate to be that person. Or are they yeah. Are they are they passed out in an alleyway somewhere because they've just gone gone mad and they're maybe you know they're just shooting up the heroin or the crack and they're just an addict and they've got no control of their life. I don't know, man. It's rough. I feel is, sorry for. I know, and that's a tragedy in and of itself. I mean, just being a drug addict and you have to steal for your your addiction. You know, I, I know you're saying so. Yeah, yeah. You got to look. It's good that you look at the other side of people like that. And I, I got robbed one time. It was freaking Easter Sunday, 
in my in my own backyard and somebody broke into my car and took all my cassettes remember cassettes right yeah <laughs> man <laughs> all my, and i had every u2 album every one oh u2 i love u2 Oh, they were great. And every one of them, yeah. on cassette, and the fuckers took everyone. Not only that, oh, they man. took the faceplate to my radio because you could take the faceplate off so that people. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, son of a bitch. I couldn't even play my radio because they took the faceplate, but they didn't take the radio. Why you take the faceplate, not the radio, you prick? Now you're fucking. Uh, I can't even listen to anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pissed oh. off. I'm so pissed off, but. And I guess they got the guy later, and he never made any reparations. And I never followed up because what are you going to do? They, like you say, it's like somebody, somebody's. You know, you get over your anger after a while, and you try to look at the other mm-hmm. side of the picture. You know, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you must have needed it badly to take a freaking faceplate and hope to sell it for five bucks somewhere. Yeah, at some yeah. pawn shop, you know. And the other thing you wonder about is what went wrong with their story. You know, for them to end up in that situation as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know my my family has a my father comes from a very really really poor. He was the youngest of seven. His mother died when he was four, and my father was telling us stories growing up where they never had any money in the house. They were you know they never had anything, not even food. Mm-hmm. And he, him and his sister, when they were six or seven years old, broke into their neighbor's house just to steal fucking breakfast cereal, and they would mm-hmm. do that regularly wow. until they got caught. You know, so I I, I see that. You know, I kind of grew up with that story in the back of my head. Like Jesus Christ, I can't even imagine. You know, and growing up, we never had a lot of money. It goes goes back to our conversation before. We never get the comics or anything because they didn't have the money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I couldn't, yeah, couldn't afford the damn comic books. <laughs> yeah, my my uh, my folks were were the same. You know, we we didn't. Well, it weren't we didn't uh, we didn't have any money. Um, my dad had to work very hard to get any money. So he was working in Europe and he did a lot of traveling around in the early days of. Uh, when ro- robots and that were starting to go onto production lines in, yeah, yeah. Ca- in car plants and that. And he was an electrician and he would go to, say, uh, Valencia in Spain to mm-hmm. commission the new uh, production track for a company. Like, it was a Sayer, a Sayer Brown and Bovary. They're like a German company. And... Okay. Um, he would go to these places because he's an he's basically an electrician, but yeah, yeah. He ended up getting into this type of electrical industrial stuff. So he was away from home a lot, and so you would get quite decent money, but we would end up living like church mat church mice to to get a house, like you know. So my yeah. parents would sa- save the money to get a house to try and get a little bit of stability for yep. us later in life. Yep. So the actual, you know, the actual growing up, we we have these things in the UK called jumble sales, which I guess is a bit like you you um, so the Cub Scouts or whatever will go round collecting up people's old clothes and books and things like that, and then yeah, in, yeah. in a church, yeah, yeah, in a church hall they'd sell it all like a like a yard sale, but yeah, in a church, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, that's where that's where our, our clothes and that come from, you know, it'd be. That's where my mum would go. Yeah, I do know. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I'll tell. I'll tell a funny story. I never forget it. I was at a cub camp, and uh, it was somewhere like um, down in Devon, and we went pony trekking. And my mum, bless her, she thought it'd be a good idea to send me with like this, uh, like a lumberjack shirt, like you know, like a like plied, like a tartan thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
But what I didn't realize, everybody was take, making fun out of me because it. I didn't know this. I was only a youngster, but it buttoned up like a woman's blouse. So the other way round. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So she got point. me. She got me a bloody. She got me this girl's shirt at a jumble sale, and I got everybody taking the rise. <laughs> and I'm oh, and I'm thinking, what? What they all laughing at? They're all ripping it out of me, and I, I didn't even get the joke because yeah. I was a kid. Yeah, and that yeah. was brutal. That that was bad. Stuff I remember like the hand me downs things like that from the cousins, the older cousins hand me downs. Yeah, and and I thought that, they were yeah. cool because they were, you know, so and so. Mine, I liked the older cousins, so I thought they were cool, but they were out of style or they were old or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. shit, you don't know, <laughs> you don't, you don't know. I mean, we never, we were never broke. Let me put it that way. We never poor. We never, we always had enough to eat. We always had a place to live. We always had yeah. clean clothes. Always had, you know what I mean. But we never had anything yeah, extra. Definitely. Never anything extra. No. You know, so yeah, it was that kind of a deal. So the shit you think is, uh, you don't notice it when you're a kid. It's only when other kids start pointing shit out to you because they're assholes that you start feeling mm. something, you know? Yeah. Man, shit, we had the toys. We go outside in the yard and play sticks, rocks, mm. whatever we could find and makeshift stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I used to make bows and arrows. That was my thing. Oh, yeah. I, was into, I was into Robin Hood. So we'd, we'd, I got a, I had a pen knife. They, get, they got me a pen knife or I saved up for it all. I can't remember. I think I got one for Christmas one time, and yep, then when yep. I when I joined the Cubs or the Scouts, I got a Swiss Army knife. Oh yeah, it's just a yeah, a little pocket folding knife, and uh, that was great because I had a little saw that I could pull out uh -huh. one end. Yep, so then yep. I could I could cut branches then, and then I'd make myself bows and arrows, and that was, and I could shoot off it. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> First thing you do is you, you find your brother. <laughs> Stand here and don't move. Yeah. <laughs> put, put the apple on your head. Don't say nothing about me. <laughs> oh, it's, ter it's terrible, really. It's terrible. And oh, we used to always well. be. We always used to be riding about on uh, like bikes, secondhand bikes, and I used yep. to. Um, I used to fix up bikes. I, I'd get old BMXs and and uh, we'd swap wheels. We'd go around to mates, and I used to make a few quid. Because um, my dad showed me how to do it good, and um, my friends would say, "Oh, can I have your wheels?" And you know, I used to sell them and uh, make a deal. you know, f yeah, make a few pounds like that, and change the bearings and show them how how smooth they were running, and yeah, that was our, kind of a little bit of pocket money. Our thing was a paper route. When I was ten and he was eight, we got a paper route in our local neighborhood, and kept that thing for like seven freaking years until we were you know later teens and uh and once we got that i mean we didn't make too much we would make 10 or 10 or 12 bucks or 10 or 15 bucks each a week you know yeah. but you're out there every day for half an hour delivering papers rain snow shine whatever we, i remember one day we had our fucking hurricane hits right i think it was like 1980 or something like that or 80 81 82 and a hurricane hit and the the radio and everything's like well it was like a saturday it's a you know it's just the eye is passing over us. If it seems clear right now, don't go out. It's just the eye is going to come back. And yeah. so we're all like, we got how much? 20 minutes? Let's do it. So we ran our asses off to deliver <laughs> these fucking papers that we picked up, right? So we're going to do it all within the eye of the hurricane. And I'm like 12 or 13, maybe. Yeah, yeah, in the eye of the hurricane, literally. All on ass. I mean, there's power lines down. There's tree branches all over the place. We're oh, like my God. Over <laughs> It's like we got this shit done just as it started drizzling again. We're back in the house saying, yes, we did it. <laughs> we're going to have to do it later uh, now, you know. 
Yeah, I mean that was that was the thing you had to do. You had to make money. What are you going to do? You know, it's a shit yeah. job, but whatever. But at least you're your own boss. As I wish I did something later in life where I could still be my own boss. You know. Yep. Yep. I um, since I work for myself, I would find it very hard to go back to a kind of um, a daily grind type of job. Yeah. Yeah, you, I could imagine. I could imagine, man. You 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 get that that taste of. I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't call it. It's not freedom, but if you can, if you can handle the, well, it's only it's it's only a perceived insecurity. It's kind of a bit of a mind game because it's like you think you're in a steady job, but really, yeah, 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 you can just get dropped at a moment's notice, can't you? Exactly. Even I work for the uh, state. You know, for the government out here, it's state government level. And yeah. uh, my job is always in jeopardy. The government has budget issues. My job's in jeopardy. My my exact position needs to be renewed by the state every couple of years. My job's in jeopardy. And, and mm-hmm. you know, layoffs are always a thing. You always got to wonder and worry about. So even though you think, yeah, you got a good job, you got good benefits and whatnot, it's a false sense of security. And I think yeah. that false sense of security almost, in a way, once you have it, you don't want to lose it and hold you back from trying to get rid of it and get something else. That makes any sense. <laughs> that, yeah, it de- it definitely does, and and it's weird because it it definitely holds people back. It it didn't hold me back too much because I'm I'm not too bad at things like that. I'll I'll take a bit of a leap of faith sometimes, um, but it was certainly on my mind. But I thought it through, and I thought to myself. Even before I did it, I thought, well, it's got to have, it's got to be better. If I had fifty customers, what's the chances of one day all fifty of them simultaneously telling me they didn't want me to come and do their gardening, for example? It's yeah, a good point, and you always need that. You 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 perform a service that always needs to be done. You know, once you build that relationship it's with like the person, you know, they're good. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, you have your ups and downs, and in, in unfortunately, in my line of work, after after the winter, I quite often will get news that I've, I've actually customers have like died. Oh, you know, Jesus. they're just they you know, they've just got too old. Yeah, yeah. Because you know that's why I'm there gardening because they can't do it themselves. So yeah. you do lose you lose customers like that. But blimey, you know. Uh, if you've got a good a good customer base, it should be fairly stable. Yeah, but, I mean, it sounds like you do. I mean, you're, you're living off it, so that's that's you know it's a rare thing. It's a rare thing to be self employed. Well, that's right. Life, you know, so that's good. That's good. Yeah. You uh, do you want to get into anything RPG wise in terms of publishing something, even a zine or an adventure module or some sort of yeah anything? Do you want to, Do you see that in your future? Um. I think it it's probably would be hard not to. Um, with all this, like this recent stuff that's been going on through January and February with uh, the Zine Quest and yeah. uh, the Anchorite guys on Discord on the Audio Dungeon with with all the ideas that, that yep. come along, you know, it is um, pretty tempting for sure to. To put something together, I mean, I was yeah. doing some maps and that. I was putting maps back when G Plus was a thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I remember I think you, I you told the story about your the pens. I remember in an early podcast. Yeah. And your father, he bought them for you and said, these are good pens. They're going to last you a while. And that was such a touching story. You know what I mean? That To me, that that's <laughs> one one tradesman to another, one craftsman to another, an artist to another. And, mm. and you know, he just mm. said, these are good. These are good tools. You know what I mean? It's like passing the yeah. torch in some way. Different different color torch, different style torch, but you're passing the torch along to your son. And and it's like when he got into that, I was like, that's cool, man. I hope he does something good with it and hope he, you know, not, not not even to fulfill an expectation or a need of your father, but maybe of your own. And like you had mentioned, putting something else into the story when you'd said that these podcasts with your son, uh, where you do them and you hope they look back as sort of a, you're leaving a legacy behind. And you hope they look back and say, yeah, that was cool. I did this and I didn't understand or appreciate what it meant then, but I do now. You know what mm. I mean? When you look at it that way, I, I and you, you could do the same thing in a sort of a legacy with the product. You know, that they, somebody could look and see you know, see your thing on the shelf that sold or in a used bookstore and say, yeah, my dad did that. You know, that's kind yeah, of a cool yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it, it is a cool thing, yeah. Um, yeah, and I do sincerely believe in that sort of stuff as well. And uh, it is something, that, like I said in the podcast, I... I do think about it and I think about it more as I get older. And yeah, I definitely, even when I was a kid, I always thought, I mean, I left, um, I probably left half a dozen paintings behind in, in my school, at high school. Uh, big, you know, big old painting, probably, yeah, yeah. you know, sort of six or seven foot long by four. Wow. Four, Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, and, and they had them. And that was a good feeling to be moving on from the school, yeah, and yeah. Ha- having something left that would stay there, and that that stuck with me. And I thought, as I got older, I'd like to have done that a bit more often. And then coming round for the hundredth episode uh, of the podcast, I got you know it's another one of those sort of big old numbers and. And I, I, it just sort of popped up into my mind again, and yeah, yeah, I, I would like to do something. Um, I'd like to do a bit of video, perhaps, and really like a YouTube yeah. video, like a podcast yeah. but video podcast. Yeah, because I, I, I enjoyed, I like the, um, I like the whole process of making video and stuff. So I'd probably like to revisit that, and and the painting as well, but. Yeah, it's bound to happen. What about you, Joe? Uh, about- I I think I would like to do zines. I would like. I don't know if I want to get into the modules or writing books or writing my own system and all that kind of stuff. For a while, I was working on my own system before Five E came out because I was disenchanted with a lot of stuff. I wanted some sort of a merge between older games and the newer games and something in between. You know what I mean? But I I gave that up and got into Five E, and it was it was a good game. It was good enough. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, that's why I started yeah. calling it good enough D and D. It's enough that it doesn't <laughs> piss me off to play it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Everybody, I can always find players and people are okay with it. And, you know, let me do what I want to do for the most part. So I get into that. And that's, you know, that's what I can play with most of my groups, you know. But in terms of, yeah, something, a legacy behind, I would, for the D&D, I, I would like to leave zines. And what I would do, I even have it in my head. Something I'm going to do this shit, I know it. And I just got a newer computer so I could, you know, do more stuff with it. And uh, what I want to do is have a limited run. I'm just mm-hmm. going to pay it all up front. I'm going to write it all up front. I'm going to print a hundred of them, staple them, put them all together and say, I got a hundred zines, five bucks mm-hmm. a pop. 
whoever wants them. And I don't care about making the money off them, you know, like a, you know, Christian, I, I don't know if you hear my podcast about Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I listen to your stuff. Jack. Yeah. I like that guy. And he, uh, his, his attitude is like, yeah, just put it out there, man. And, you know, but just, you're here to see, you don't have to make money off it. Just here's, and I'm going to print a hundred and they're going to sell. And then some way in my mind, I know that at least one or two of those things will survive for a long time. And somebody's going to say, who the hell was that guy? You know, yeah. I, I don't have kids. I don't, I don't have a wife or kids and I, I never will get married at this point in my life or have kids a little too old for that shit. And, uh, too, been, <laughs> been single too long. You know that if you've been single yeah. too long, you become sort of broken in the, in the regard of, uh, <laughs> you can never be with somebody in that regard. You know what I mean? Too long. Well, I suppose you get set in your ways a bit, don't you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I, I was talking to a, my, my, my place I mentioned before, it looks like old hippie dive. You know, the beaded curtains. Beaded, beaded curtains. Yeah, yeah it looks like everything in here. There are lights and everything and shit. And a few thousand books. Every nook and cranny is filled with books. And I was talking to a, a guy who owns a used bookstore. He's a cool dude. He's uh, about 75 years old, and I've been going there for 20 years now and buying books. And his, his bookstore looks like my apartment because I've bought so many books from him and so many bo old bookcases, old used bookcases <laughs> from him. So yeah. I finally had him over after all these years and uh, had some wine and cheese and a weed. They're just chilling out and he's looking around. And he says, this is awesome. This is awesome. And he says, I said, Ron, it looks so cool because it's, it's your fucking store in my house. Really? That's why, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just, he got the beaded curtains and the shag rugs at his store. You know, I said, this is, you know, the right. lamp and all that. Said, this is, your, you know, half of this shit came from you. And I said, why don't you have something like this in your house? He goes, oh, my wife would never allow it. I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> so now that should never allow it. If he goes, if I had my druthers, he goes, you, you have so many books in his house. He'd be tunnels of books. You have to crawl through tunnels to get from room to room because there'd be so many books. But he says that she can never do it. I said, he says to me, how about you? You ever want to sell these? I said, sell them. No, I collect them. I don't want to ever mm -hmm. sell them. I said, I'm going to get more. I'm going to have to get a bigger place just for more books. Wow. <laughs> he says to me, uh, and there's no way I'm going to ever read all these books. I just collect them, you know? And he, and he says to me, well, what if some woman comes in and you meet her and she wants to blah, blah, blah. And she says, why don't we get rid of some books? I said, as soon as she says, let's, meet, let's get rid of some books. That's when I dump her ass because yeah. if she don't, if she don't get me on that fundamental level of, I'm never losing a book. So I'll get rid of you first before I lose the, you know, my whole setup here. Then, then we're not meant to be together. If she don't understand that about me. <laughs> yeah. Well, if she, if she, you know, she'd have to be pretty, pretty stupid not to notice she was into your books. If there's that many of them, you know, it's sort of, uh, yeah. kind of, you know, she'd have to be some dummy, not, yeah. not to, yeah. not to realize. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just not going to happen, you know. And it's not uh, like it's uh, it's not a secret, is it? No, no, yeah. And he, even Ron said he's like this. You don't, art, you know, he says you don't, you don't write or draw or whatever you want to say, you know. Because I do. I want to learn how to draw. I want to learn how to play something musically. I want to learn how to paint. I want to learn all these things because I never really learned them when I was a kid. I was at a block up that I couldn't do it or shouldn't do it or I sucked at it or whatever. But now I want to actually do it. And he says, you know, you, you look at your apartment and this is a creative expression. You know, this yeah. is this is where you express yourself. I'm like, yeah, maybe that is true. I don't know because it is weird. It is a fucking weird ass looking place. You know, well, it is, uh... <laughs> it, it is definitely an expression. But if you yeah. if you want if you want to do music and you want to draw, you you should just have a just have a go at it, mate. You know what? You could, there's no such thing as too late. either, is there? And not I know you're not saying that there is. Oh uh, yeah, I think I'm, a lot of people 
a lot of people do, don't they? They they won't yeah. take up the they won't take up the guitar because they think they'll never be any good. But that don't yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. I just want to be able to play some basic songs. I want to be able to draw something that don't look like a stick figure. I want to be able to paint something that maybe moves a little people a little bit in an evocative way. You know, touches their soul in some way. I want to be able to write stories, short stories, novels, fiction plays, whatever it is that inspires people. You know what I mean? If I could do that yeah. the rest of my life, I'd be a happy son of a bitch. Let me tell you, that's all I've I would want to do. I've got a recommendation for you. Yeah. If you um, if you like stringed instruments and you kind of like the guitar thing, um, I think ukulele is a good little instrument to pick pick up to just. It's really fun, you know what I mean? I, I play a bit of guitar. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, 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 I picked up a ukulele uh, probably about a, a year, year and a half ago. And it's super fun. Yeah. And uh, they're very accessible. You can just kind of goof around on them, just sit on the sit in your chair and pluck away and do, do you know. Maybe I will. I mean, you ever see that movie, uh, Harold and Maude? You ever see that one? No, no, I don't know that. Oh, I think you would like it. It's so weird. It's it's from the early seventies. Uh, uh, it's, it's a young guy who's all depressed and rich and morbid, and he isn't. He hates his life, and his mother's domineering us and that. Then he meets this yeah. old woman. Her name is Maud, yeah. and she's like a total free spirit, but she's like eighty something years old. She was around in World War Two. She was in the death camps, and she escaped, and she has a whole different attitude on life. And she's like young at heart, and he's an old man at heart. And she she brings him into her life, and his and, and his world changes. And she uh, she gets him to play some instruments. He said, "Do you play music?" She goes, "He goes no, no." He goes, "Everybody should be able to play something." She gives him an instrument. Just play. Doesn't matter what it sounds like. Just fucking play, you know. And it was just a it just everybody should be able to play something, you know. Even if you suck at it, just play it. And that's that's the way I look it at it, you know. Harry and Maud, did you say? Har- Harold and Maud, yeah, yeah. Harold I'll and Maud. That, that sounds good, man. That's I like stuff like that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. It just gets you in a different state of mind. I may have to. I may have to watch that today. I may have to watch that today. It's been a few years since I've seen that movie. It was. It's good. It's a really good movie, though. It's, uh, I, I never like, thought I'd be talking about that in a D and D podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like. Uh, I like Field of Dreams, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. That was good too. I just like, I like. I like that vibe. I just like that vibe. But that guy, you know, he just. He just got that belief and that. That he should build it, you know. It's it's kind of cheesy, I know, but you know, build it and they will come. I I, I just think of it quite often, you well, know, when I'm doing saying. a little yeah. doing a little project or something. You think, oh, will people like this? Will they? Nah, no, I'm doing it because I think it needs to be done. Yep, and that's good enough. Yep, and, that's it, good enough. and it strikes people, it moves people. That's what getting getting back to what I was talking about a long time ago about the ritual and a ceremonial yep. spiritual ceremony or something like that. You got to feel the dreams, right? What do you have? You have words. You have music. You have images. You have uh, you have a story, but higher things. You have. Uh, mm ideals and morals and uh, you know what i mean it's not it's not about the nitty-gritty you're not in the, the blood and guts of the world you're about and, and so you put all those different things together and what do you get you have a moving experience that's what I, that's what i was getting at anything that when you combine various art forms and put them all together and you move somebody i think that really is the true uh, highest purpose of art i know? think uh, i'm i'm glad you come back to that as well because it's a a it's super interesting and, but B, it's, I think it's super relevant to what we're doing because I think it's all like it's all it's all storytelling, isn't it? It's it's like yeah. we're 
we're storytellers, really. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's music or painting or whatever, it's like that. Like you can imagine um, Neolithic man, or you know, right back, right back. You can imagine our predecessors sat around the fire telling stories in their way. Exactly. And I don't, th- I don't think that that is something that will ever change. No, I agree. I agree. You tell stories to make sense of the world and the universe around you. I, I had a, uh, back in college, I was lucky enough to have a professor who knew ancient Greek. Um, and, and he was, he taught himself. He was, a, <laughs> he taught himself the Greek and then he, wow. he learned how to chant the Iliad and the Odyssey in the same way that they were, they weren't told in a story like we were just telling a story. They were chanted rhythmically to a beat. And he started mm. in ancient Greek chanting to the beat of a record going in the background that was you know that that beat and that 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 based on what they know about you know of the times at least as far as they know mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. such a fucking moving experience i had no idea what he was saying because it was ancient greek but holy shit it was just when you get that thing in there when you get that you're adding just the music and the chanting and the rhythmic aspect mm-hmm. of it so you're you're adding poetry you're adding the rhyme you're adding the the beat of music um, or sometimes even the banging of drums or something like that. Yeah. It changed the whole thing from reading a book to like participating in a story because it's all in your head, man. You know, it's all in your head. It's amazing. I, I, I went to this thing one time. You, you would, you would absolutely have loved it. And it, it probably anybody listening to this podcast would have loved it. Uh, as a place, it's like, how could you explain it? It's, it's like an underground, like a big, massive roundhouse, like an Iron Age roundhouse uh-huh. built of logs and stuff. But it's much bigger, and it's buried under a like an earth mound. So it's like a kind of um, almost like a, a barrow mound. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But like a big roundhouse. And it's probably, it's got to be 50 or 60 foot diameter, maybe bigger. And like the things holding up the roof are are, are basically small tree trunks. Well, not small, but, you know, say like sort of a a foot, a foot diameter posts. Yeah, yeah. And then... um, the whole roof is uh, logs, and, and like, there's like a ring beam of um, timber that goes round, and there's probably, oh, mate, say there was twenty of these big posts that makes a, an inner ring that supports the roof, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then right up high, there's a hole, a hole in the centre where all this smoke from a fire rises out. It's like something out of Lord of the Rings. That does right? sound cool, man. And, and and it's just built by these guys over here that were interested in um, traditional uh, methods of construction and, and all that. And wow. I went there. I went there one time. The first time I saw it, it, it was it was closed. But a guy I knew, who I'd I'd met earlier that day, we were working on a timber framing project in the woods. And he mentioned he worked at this place. And I said to him, oh, I've always wanted to go there. That looks absolutely amazing. He said, oh, well, when we're done, I'll take you down there. 
I'm like, what? You're joking. He said, no, no, we're cool. We'll all go down there. This guy, he was an excellent guy. And and we went and we saw it. And I said to my mate at the time, I said, can you imagine coming here at night and like all sitting in there with a fire and that? Anyway, yeah. a few months, yeah. a few month, a few months after that, he said to me, "Oh, there's a storytelling event there. Come down. We'll, we'll go there." And I tell you, when all the people, it's full of people, all sitting around, it had a big fire, and they had these couple of storytellers talking about like the, um, like the peasants' revolt in England, and uh, like it was like tales of Robin Hood and various sort of rebel characters wow. down through history history and they had drums and some instruments but basically just these guys kind of no amplification you know just standing by the fire and they they used the light of the fire and their drums and their voices i'll tell you man i'd never forget it never best thing i've ever seen in my life that's awesome amazing it makes, you, makes you feel like you're there it's evocative right and it touched your soul oh, you know that's just oh, cool, dude unbelievable you'd have loved it could you imagine, I mean, back when Stonehenge was a thing, when it was fixed and, and operational and people would join there and they may drew in circles, whoever, whoever did it, I don't know. I mean, just, you know, mm. but could you imagine being out there under the, you know, under the full moon and the, having a big ceremony and, and people chanting and a ritual and, oh my God, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can, I, you can still go there at uh, midsummer, all the, the Druids and that, go down there to this really? day yeah, yeah. holy yeah, shit yeah. they let them go into the site i mean i here they yeah. block off anything that's historical they block it off in america you can't touch it can't go near yeah. it or anything you know they um they tried but um if if you're if you're if you can i think it's i think i'm right in saying that if you if you can legitimately sort of if you've got a strong case that you're a druid yeah on, on on midsummer's night and whatever particularly important you know uh you know the solstices and the equinoxes and stuff i think they they can kind of say you know this is our like legal right as it were this is our you know it'd like be like trying to shut mecca kind of yeah. thing you could yeah yeah, yeah. you can't or do it or, you know yeah like so they've got different rights to other people haven't they because they you know yeah 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 same thing they have certain rights to land and, and other places that are sacred to them yeah they have that out yeah, here so I, I, th I think i'm right on that and, and any anybody else can go down there and take part in it and at one time it was totally open and every, every midsummer night people would be there to see the the sun come up on the at the beginning of the 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 next thing you know so you go there for the longest day and you watch the sunrise for the beginning of the next year type of thing. yeah yeah that's cool man i would love to do something like that even like uh traveling i the only place i would like to travel i'm not a big traveler i don't go too many places never been out of my country at all um but i would like to go well, i've been down south that's like a whole different country but, <laughs> but well i mean it's a massive it's a massive place you could spend a lifetime just rolling around one state probably you know yeah it's dead it's true depending on the state i mean i've been around the united states a bunch of places but never out of the country but any place i want to go out of the country usually is because it has old cool shit there 
Like I would mm. go to Rome to see the old stuff. I would go to Greece to see the old stuff. To Egypt, Egypt oh, to see the man. old stuff. You know, I, I would love to go to yeah. Machu Picchu down in South America. Oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. I would love. I've been that, to Rome. Rome. Rome's really? awesome. Yeah. yeah, I love Rome. Yeah. You see the old stuff, or you see the new stuff, or would you? Yeah, do yeah, yeah. I went there. You know, trod the trod the uh, the stones that the legions walked on. Yeah, man. Wow. Wow, uh, went awesome. in the forum and that, and the Colosseum. Uh, the, Co- the Colosseum's like a kind of eerie place. Uh, really? Like when you think, yeah, well, when you think about the death and the sacrifices and the blood that was spilt there in the name yeah. of um, yeah. sport and fun, and and it's an imposing place. When you see it on in film and stuff, it yeah. doesn't do, it doesn't capture it at all. When you're actually there, it is. Um, it's kind of yeah, it's awesome. That's cool. Or inspiring, yeah, it is That's cool. That's what I would, I would love to do all that kind of stuff someday. I keep saying I ever hit the lotto. You have a lot of lottery out there, the big lottery tickets and all that shit. That's my retirement. Yeah, plan. we do. <laughs> someday I'll get it. <laughs> someday I'll get that man. What are you reading now? You well, you got to be in it to win it. You got. Yeah, I know. That, oh, that's um, that motto's out there too. I wonder who copied off of Huba. Yeah. They sent it out here as well. Got to be in it to win uh, it. Probably, <laughs> yeah, it, it probably come from the states. We seem we seem to catch everything eventually from uh, over that way. I just don't, um, just don't capture our crazy ass uh, way of running government out here. Well, you got your own government issues going on out there, right? We don't want to get into that shit. Oh, like the, blimey! The Brexit and all that shit. Jesus oh, yeah. yeah, that's a mess. That's yeah. title, man. What do you read now? Anything good? Um, well, I was trying to do some of the um, some of the uh, Appendix N stuff. I picked up uh, some Jack Vance stuff. Um, I've got some Moorcock stuff. Yep, yep. Uh, I I got that. Who was talking about? Oh yeah. Um, the dice are screaming. They were talking about Conan the other day. They were talking oh, yeah. about the, they were talking yeah. about the movie, but they did talk about the animated. Um, what is it? The, is it a sword of Conan or something like? I don't know. I, I've only seen the two movies that Schwarzenegger ran. The, the the movie, the newer one, I didn't like it too much. That the one that has Momoa, that guy, I didn't like that one too much. What the destroyer was. Well, there was Conan Barbarian and the Conan the Story, both had Arnold, and then that was 30 years ago or whatever. But then more recently, they did a Conan remake um, that had, I think it was Jason Momoa was in it, and he was Conan. And I, it just didn't, it didn't strike me as capturing the spirit of the old Conan stories that the Schwarzenegger movie did. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. Oh, because after listening to the Dice of Screaming, I went on Amazon and I was looking to see how much it'd be to pick up a DVD of the film. Like, and I saw there was. It looked like there was a, a newer one, and yeah, I just passed that by. Yeah. So you yeah. that that was that was rubbish, was it? I didn't like it so much. It, it just didn't yeah. capture the spirit of the books, you know. Like uh, the uh, the original Ari Howard ones. There've been so many Conan authors and so many Conan stories, but when you get down to it, I, there was a publication put out about uh, three books put out about ten years ago or so that these three books have every Conan story that Howard ever wrote. And there's three little books. That's it. He didn't write that many. They were just got, everybody else wrote Conan stories though. You know? So I saw, I saw that little, I think I saw that little collection. Yeah, I think yeah. I might, I think I got that on an ebook actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm, Fritz library, I'm, you like Fritz library? 
is on my list to check him ah, out. Okay. Okay. Because I, I started, I'll tell you what happened. I started listening to the Appendix N podcast a couple of years back. I got into that a little bit. And um, yeah. that's where, and, and I heard about DCC. And um, when I heard that DCC had been inspired by the Appendix N, I started looking into it a bit more because I don't, you're probably aware, but I, I was never really an AD&D player. And of course, yeah, Appendix yeah. Appendix, Appendix N is AD&D, isn't it? Yeah, you started with BX. You said you're a teacher when you were like six or seven. Your teacher got you into it? Yeah, yeah. The teacher got us into D&D. Um, That's awesome. Man. That's awesome. Well, I was a bit of a tear away at that age because, uh, I don't know, I just I was up in front of the head teacher all the time. And to channel my enthusiasm, she, I got put in blue class with Mrs. McConaughey. And, and she... <laughs> uh, <laughs> She taught me chess and uh, I did more drawing and got into the Hobbit and that went on to D&D. But it's just she just had to to funnel my energy into something more constructive. And that was fine. I was I was fine then. I ended up I was a prefect in school in the end, which is like, you know, uh, like the, the teacher's secret police, as it were. Uh, really like kgb yeah because yeah, that's what they do they... i was the only one who didn't wear the uniform properly yeah yeah but, yeah uh, it's funny but man. i i i used to because it in school at break times in school everybody had to get out of the building and go out into the playground so the prefects would be yeah. responsible for ejecting people from the premises gotcha gotcha now, so I, I right, your, your story about your teacher reading you The Hobbit in class. I mean, yeah. this is going to sound yeah. totally ignorant and totally like, hey, if you meet a person from Japan, you ask them if they, if they know karate. But is that a thing out there? Did, did, <laughs> you know what I mean? Did everybody get read The Hobbit in school? Was is, is Tolkien like a fucking folk hero in England? Because he fucking ought to be. He's not, you know? Um. I don't know, really, because I only know my personal experience. I, 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 I think it was her, to be fair. I think it was the okay. time that I think it was the time that I was at school. You know, it, the Hobbit was popular with uh, sort of like the the folk scene, and yeah, yeah, kind of like the hippies a little bit. The English version of the hippies and yep, yep. kind of folk festivals and um, prog rock and stuff. And I think just our teacher was into that, so she had the Hobbit. She 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 read all the fantasy literature of the late seventies, and uh, yeah. So I, I I don't think the Hobbit is an ink. Well, obviously, it's an English thing because the guy was English, but uh, it wasn't a school thing. I think she was a bit unusual, a bit artsy, a little bit. Um, it probably, if everybody knew it, probably would have been frowned on a little bit, actually. Really? Because was that yeah, the probably. satanic panic going on back then for D&D, too? Or did I know you guys well, I, that, you said. Yeah, yeah, I got hit with that, yeah. Uh, well, that would have predated it a little bit. Okay, but, okay. Um, so I, she'd have been reading that to me when I was five or six. So that would have been okay. So about 1980, seven, or right? 79, 80, and then by 81, I was fully into my D and D. 
Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, against that whole satanic panic a little bit after that, I think. And yeah, yeah, yeah. BX and everything AD and D. That's interesting. You know what's interesting too is you look at uh, Michael Moorcock. You said and Elric and all those you know mm-hmm. the Eternal Champion stuff. And yeah. there's a there's a band I think called Hawk Moon that was inspired by yep. that. They sing a lot of songs, and I think Moorcock actually he's a decent guitarist back, and he plays in the band with them sometimes. You know, and then you look at you look at Led Zeppelin. And they loved. Mm. I mean, they would travel with both the hot, you know, with the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, in their in their, in their bus. And I think especially uh, uh, Plant uh, loved that stuff, and that inspired. I think their third album. They went out to the woods, or not the woods, into the <laughs> into the you know the the, the uh, they went into the countryside. I guess you could say. You know what I mean? Where all mm-hmm. the old tales were still told. And mm-hmm. I think the third or fourth album was really inspired by a lot of that stuff. The readings and the old folk tales and things like that. They lumped them together as a folk tale, you know? And so yeah. all these musical artists are really inspired by it too. Not just like us, you know, not just yeah, oh, players yeah. and stuff. No, that's right. I mean, my, my father-in-law, uh, is, he, he was a, at that time, he, he was a drummer. I mean, he still is a drummer, but he don't, don't play. But you, if once you're a drummer, you're a drummer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he he used to write songs, play guitar. And he he was a professional drummer, and he was in a band back in the day called Aardvark. And he played with a lot of the the names like Fleetwood Mac. He was on the he was on the same bill with Hendrix. Wow, um, yeah, because he lived in London, um, in Shepherd's Bush and Chelsea in London, and. Um, he 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 met. I can't even remember all the people that he met. He it's it's traveling a taxi with Mick Fleetwood and Jesus. Um, Is your father in law? Yeah, yeah, that's my father in law. Yeah, and holy shit. He yeah, he read the he loved that Tolkien and that, and they was inspired to go up onto I think it was Hampstead Heath or something like that. And for their album cover, they took a sort of a photo of these gnarly old roots and. And they had a funny little, little model like a little aardvark, uh, in a kind of a little hobbity style, and that was their yeah. album cover. And it was it it was all the rage back then. Everybody was into that that hobbity vibe, that folky kind of mystical magic, and yeah, yeah all yeah. that all was, that all that stuff. There was something about uh. Uh, I remember hearing a story like people were right on walls or subways when Frodo lives, you know, things like that. It, every, yeah. it was just, it was when it's graffiti worthy, you know, you really hit a. <laughs> hit <the> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> hey, have you yeah. you ever gotten into. Uh, uh, this is a, I, I'm surprised if you haven't or ever heard of it or haven't never tried it because I think you'd be good at it and maybe like it. Is getting into all the uh, terrain building and things like that, using the foam and different different little bits. And oh, pieces mate! And... Oh, yeah, that was you stumbled onto something there. That that was oh, yeah? sort of my forte. <laughs> yeah, that was my forte, really. Really? Okay. I, yeah, I love I love making terrain. I made loads of terrain uh, in a cupboard just in front of me. I got a whole like orc village and stuff. Oh shit! And, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. We yeah. made loads of stuff. Me and the old man. Actually, that was one of the things that my dad got into. Really into. I don't know if you do. You remember a, a Games Workshop game? So there was first of all there was Necromunda, and yeah, okay. That was like um, 
uh, a kind of a post-apocalyptic type of um, idea going on in a grim, dark future. Okay. And then following on from that, it was like a skirmish game. And then following on from that, set in like the Warhammer world was a game called Mordheim. And that, that was like that a- name is familiar. Mordheim, that name is familiar. Yeah, because that was a that's a place in the Warhammer world. It's like a, a city. And what happened there was a a big meteor or whatever struck this place and it, it was constructed out of warp stone or something, which then spread out over the area. Anyway, so this town was destroyed. And yeah. to play this to play this skirmish game, you needed like a load of um twisted and ruined buildings all charred yeah. and, and stuff like that and uh me and me and my dad got into building kind of that type of scenery it was all in the white dwarf magazines and okay. although my, my dad's not so great at making stuff up but you show him stuff and he's really good at copying things okay. so you give him you give him the white dwarf magazine and say oh yeah can you make this and he'd make it all and then you just um it weren't so great. His colour theory is not so great. So he'd kind of do some funky painting sometimes and you'd sort yeah. of need to you'd need to tone it down a little bit. And it, as long as you showed him, it it um it'd get it right. But the modeling that he did, he'd have like really good ideas. He'd have uh you'd get all your like Pringle tubes and bog rolls yep. and yep, yeah yep. and balsa wood and bits of card and foam board and expanded polystyrene and uh sell it like sellotex close cell foam and and we built all this stuff over the years loads of it that's awesome man and, you worked yeah, with man. your father and you did that together with him yeah yeah and he'd do it on his own but i i used to do quite a bit of the painting and he used to do quite a bit of the construction but I, I, when i was a lot younger um it helped me. We used to make lead figures. We'd heat up the lead and pour, pour into molds, and like make a war gaming minis. Holy yeah. shit! Really? That's pretty yeah. fucking cool. Make your own lead figures. Yeah, <laughs> awesome, and man. make the molds. He, he yeah. figured out how we could make the molds and everything, so you could like bootleg figures. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah, so because yeah, because if you get one figure and you just make a mold of it, you can you can make a million of the same figure. Yeah, yeah. Right. Holy yeah. shit, that's awesome. That's a great fucking idea, man. Yeah. I was thinking about you. Were, there's there's this YouTube channel called the Terrain Tutor. You ever seen this guy? I've heard all about him. I, oh, I he's never, fantastic. I've, I've never watched him. Yeah, he's awesome. He's like watching Bob Ross. Remember the old painter Bob Ross? You ever see that guy? Yeah, yeah. Right? We've like heard, the, we've heard of him. I, I think he came over here about like twenty years after he was over. You know. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's just got hair. like a big ass. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> you know that he smoked he's a big like stone. Yeah. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. You know that that ain't all paint fumes. He's like in that state of mind. <laughs> yeah. So he's yeah. like he's a big fat joint. Gets on TV and says, "I'm going to paint whatever the fuck I want." You know this this terrain tutor reminds me of Bob Ross because it's like Bob Ross would start with like a blank canvas and and yeah. he'd make happy little mistakes and fuck up and ah whatever whatever. Next thing you know, you got a beautiful scene. This terrain tutor yeah. starts out with a pile of shit, and next thing you know, you got you got a, a massive, beautiful scene of like amazement, you know, and hills and yeah. terrain and everything else. It's like, and he's he's a British accent, 
so he has this, and he's very mild. He reminds me of you in a way because he was a very mild way of talking. He's just kind of relaxing, brings you into oh, right. it. You know what I mean? It's really cool. I think you well, would like it. I should, I should check him out. I mean, my, my problem is I just got so much of the stuff. I, I can't afford to make anymore. I'll have, I'd have nowhere to kind of actually live. Um, <laughs> well, make you can make ter- make life size terrain. You can live in it. You know, oh, like, you could do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the guy that outside <laughs> with the hill. <laughs> well, I built a bit. I actually built half my house as well. So really? I kind of have. I kind of have built life size terrain. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, man. Cool, dude. Oh man, oh, hey, this Jesus. is a good time, man. Hey, you know it's yeah, been it's about good. an hour and a half. So he, you're joking. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's 1130 or here. So we started around no a little after. Way. I know it's flying. So I, I, while I can keep going, I don't think anyone's going to want to listen to me on an hour and a half. <laughs> we should, <laughs> we should, uh, should probably. That's the, tr- that's the trouble with these things, man. Yeah. Oh, I we know, could do another, one, do another one another time, Joe, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That'd be fun, man. It's been a good time. It's been a good time, and I really appreciate you agreeing to, to jump in here and just talk and bullshit and hang out. You know, it's awesome. That's that's no worries. It's fine, man. It's good fun. It's good chat with you. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. I agree. And someday I'm going to get the Hobbs' game. I nearly get into last week's game, but someday I'll get into one of his games and we'll play together too. That'd be oh, fun. yeah, you should. Definitely, definitely. I, I had a long chat with uh, Pete Segretti the other day on Discord. It, I find it very easy. It's a good thing to chat on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just like picking up a phone. I mean, it, I know the new generation doesn't use phones for what phones are supposed to be used for, but us, we remember what a phone is. <laughs> you mm. know? And you sit there yeah. and talk on your phone with your friends forever, you know, just bullshit. You know, it's oh, fun. mate, I, 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 could chat, I could chat for the national team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm bad. Cool, I'm bad man. for chatting, man. I'm bad for chatting. <laughs> That's awesome, <man. laughs> Okay, well. All right. We better we better call it a day then. Hour and a yeah. half. You're gonna lose all. You're gonna lose all your listeners. Yeah, they have to do this in three or four parts. They'll have to listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> a all week's right, worth. Right, right. So, dude, thank you very much. I really appreciate it, man. And uh, hope everybody enjoyed this. And uh, I don't know who's next. Maybe we'll. Uh, I definitely, I think we, I mean, you and I, get together again at some point. And and hope you uh, hope you enjoyed it and uh, listen in. And my brother and I are coming up tonight and do another one. All right. Take care, everybody. And Colin from. Bike Pit Podcast. Anything else you want to talk about, Colin, that you're pushing or pimping or want to get the word out um, on? No, just, um, you know, thanks to everybody who's supporting Spike Pit and uh, hope hope you're enjoying the show. And, uh, yeah, keep on listening and uh, give uh, give Joe some love and listening and give him some extra call-ins because I like his extra call-in shows. <laughs> yeah, call-ins are fun. That's, that's the best part of this whole anchor thing is the call-ins. It's the back and forth, I think. You know, I really enjoy oh, that brilliant. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Without right. them, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Me just talking into a void. Then you know, without some kind mm. of a feedback system. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it reminds yeah. me of the old blogs. You know. Mm. But thanks very much, guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, Joe. Catch you later. <laughs>